This is the Rundown. The rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Live from the Akjin Community Studio for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here with you. Jesse Morrison behind the glass. Dancing. Sarah Cazell stayed just to dance. Just to dance! <laughs> Although, I think to be fair, you, if you weren't here dancing, you would just be dancing to start your weekend anyway. It's true. Okay. Well, I've told you, every time when I drive home and I have you on, on my drive home, I dance in the car when I hear it. So regardless, when your show starts, I am dancing. I hope this is like a thing that's sweeping the nation. Do you think it is? Tweet us. Okay. If it is. <laughs> All right. I expect zero tweets on that one then. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, and it is mostly all basketball related. What a win for the Phoenix Suns last night. You know, I talked so much about that series against the Lakers as it was going on, and one of the things that um, that kind of hit me, and I brought it up a few times on roundtables this week, was if you can finish the job against the Lakers, which the Suns have obviously done now, no matter what happens going forward, to me this season is a success. Now, I think the West is is very wide open, and we'll get into that more throughout the uh, the show this evening, just how far the Suns could and, and maybe even should go in this conference. I get that the other teams that are remaining in the Western Conference are saying the same thing, but... Uh, all of that aside, like if the Suns go out and they lose to Denver in the next round, okay, we're going to be upset. I get it as it happens. But the fact that you went 51-21, and the fact that you took out the defending champion Lakers, and I get that they were beat up, the fact that that you took out L.A. is something. Uh, DeAndre Ayton's performance in that series, Devin Booker's performance in that series, all these different elements. To me, no matter what happens the rest of the season, when I look back, in three months, I'm going to consider this season a success relative to anything we've had in a long time, to be honest. But, you know, obviously not um, not something that the Suns should be satisfied just taking out one team in the first round, and they're not. They've got much higher aspirations. That game last night, if you're not a Suns fan, you know, if you're just a, if you're a neutral fan, if you're an Atlanta Hawks fan watching that game, wasn't much of a game. I mean, let's be honest. It was uh, it was thirty six fourteen after the first quarter. I am for somebody who thought when when the Suns won Game Four and Anthony Davis was was hurt in that game, I immediately just thought the series is over. The Suns are winning, and I think a lot of people did. Even if you were kind of hesitant to to truly say it, because in the back of your mind you you were like, I don't want to jinx the Suns, or you know, I've seen things go wrong in the past. Even with that thought that I had, I am still blown away by how bad the Lakers are outside of LeBron and, and Anthony Davis. I'm not. That's not a good team. That's like, that's should be picking top three. I, I'm not blown away that, that they weren't that good. Like, they weren't that good this year, whether or not Anthony Davis or LeBron James were healthy. I remember uh, saying on this show a few weeks ago that the Suns are going to win this series, and I think they're going to win the whole thing. But that the Suns were going to win this series, I said in seven they ended up winning in six. But I, you know, and I hate to toot my own horn, but I also really like it because everybody, including a lot of Phoenix fans, were like, "Nah, Suns can't win this series." LeBron's old. Anthony Davis gets hurt all the time, and like, why couldn't they? And I, I didn't doubt them. Like, even with a healthy Lakers team, this Suns team is something special, and they've been something special this whole season. 
and I'm I'm sorry that that these you know these people didn't believe the same thing that I did, but. Uh, you know, I, I never doubted them. I feel like you just attacked a small portion of the listening audience right at the top of the show. I feel like you just came right out just firing shots. I, I did because <laughs> oh, you did because okay. everybody like there was all these haters. I well, and, okay, and I but, no, believe. I don't. I don't think locally there was haters. I think people are just hesitant. It's like you're playing the Lakers. We've seen this before. You shouldn't have had to play the Lakers in round one. There was all that stuff. There was just, I mean, when Chris Paul gets hurt midway through the second quarter of Game One. I, I'm going to forgive Suns fans if they're like, here we go again, something's happening to us. Look, I mean, I picked the Suns too. I had the Suns in the Western Conference Finals, and I'm not going to back off that now. I'm just saying I was blown away by how bad the Lakers are when one of those guys is missing because the Suns won Game 5 by 30, and it felt like last night they could have won by 50 if they really wanted to. It did get interesting late, and there was one moment in the fourth quarter where I looked uh, to the, the the people I was watching the game with, and I was like, you know... We've all been like watching this game, but it's kind of like kind of been talking to like I was watching it more closely, obviously, for this job. But there wasn't much of a game until the Lakers cut it to like 10 late. And I just I remember saying, like, if the Suns let this game slip away, this is going to be historically awful. I still think they would have crushed them in game seven because, you know, the not only are the Lakers very flawed outside LeBron and Anthony Davis, this and this alone really frustrated me nationally coming into this series. The Suns are a good basketball team. That defense is so underrated and it's, you know, people don't always talk about defense. They want to talk about, oh, so-and-so put up. I mean, people want to talk about Devin Booker today nationally putting up 47 points and that's great and that's awesome. We'll get into what Booker did in this series, but the fact that the Suns can just shut teams down if they need to sometimes that's a pretty good sign of a team that could potentially go really, really deep in these playoffs. Uh, tons of sun stuff coming up, but we'll uh, we'll start right now with the rapid reaction. The rundown rapid reaction. Rapid reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. All right, we're going to start in baseball. The Diamondbacks right now in Milwaukee taking on the Brewers. Last I saw, Dan Vogelbach had a home run. Now it's 4-0 Milwaukee through three innings. This is not not going well for the Diamondbacks. Uh, I think it was Bickley and Murata the other day that were talking about, like, is is there a team that's happier than the Diamondbacks that the Suns are doing as well as they are? Like, they just cannot win baseball games, and yet they're not getting nearly as much criticism on the field as, as they normally would because the Suns have taken all our attention away. They were 17-19 and 19 after they beat the Marlins on May 11th. And if they lose today, they'll be 20-39. and 39. So, what is that, 3-20 and 20 in their last 23? And it's not like they were on a tear before that Miami series. They had lost six straight coming into it. I didn't think this team would be this bad. I really didn't. I, I didn't think they were going to be good. I just thought they'd hover around 500. Some of it is the fact that uh, 80% of their starting rotation is hurt. That seems to be a problem. But, man, they just they can't just can't beat anybody. And and today they trail the Brewers 4-0. We'll keep you up to date on that one throughout the uh, the evening. It's, um, yeah, just Vogelbach has the home run. Omar Narvaez has a double. Not going to run there for the Brewers, too. It's not like Milwaukee's okay. It's not like you're playing... The Padres or the Yankees or the Dodgers or whoever. Uh, the one NBA series that is still going on. Is that right? That's the only first round series that's left. Wow. Yeah, how's it only in game six? That's a good question. 
It's been a good one. Clippers Mavericks tonight. That game's starting. Uh, actually, is just now starting. Who do you want to win that, Jesse? And why? Mavs. Okay. Ma- Mavs because you think it's an easier team if the Suns play them or just... Yes. Okay. That That's why, because Kawhi, I mean, two-time finals MVP, their defense concerns me. Even their bigs concern me. So, yeah, I'd go Mavs or Luka and Porzingis, but I think Aiden's better than Porzingis. I, I think we've seen what the Suns can do against a team that is one or two players, no matter how good that player is. So, like, yeah, if, if you ended up, if you made it all the way through the bracket and you played the Mavericks in the Western Conference Finals, is Luka going to have some 45-point games? Yeah, he seems to do it every other game, but I don't know that that would be enough to beat the Suns as much as the Clippers. Yeah, yeah you're right. You don't want to get into a best-of-seven with Kawhi uh, with the championship just one round away. But either way... That's uh, Game 6 tonight. Dallas leads that Series 3-2, so both L.A. teams could be out in the first round on top of the fact that the Knicks are out in the first round, although from the NBA's perspective, the Knicks are never even in the playoffs. And Steph's out. I mean, they lost a lot of players and teams in the first round. And you don't want to have to go to L.A. with all the Lakers fans disguised as Clippers fans uh, (laughs) angry at the Suns. Boy, wouldn't that be great if, if the Suns got to eliminate the same fans, two different teams in the same season? Now I kind of want the Clippers to win. Uh, and we have the Suns' schedule for this uh, this second-round series with the, the Nuggets. Last night, we just knew that they were going to play on Monday. So here it is real quickly. Game one is Monday at home. Game two, Wednesday at home. Game three is a week from tonight in Denver. Game four is Sunday, June 13th. And then after that, we get into the following week. It'll be Tuesday, game five, Thursday, game six. And if it goes seven. That would be Sunday, June 20th, which I believe is Father's Day. Uh, June 20th would be Game 7 if the Suns and Nuggets go that far. When we come back, we'll get back into that win last night. And, and more than just last night's game, how about the whole series? How about his career up to this point? This was a coming out party for Devin Booker if you haven't been paying attention. But for fans locally, uh, this was just a long-awaited showcase of something you've already known for a while. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski. On 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball is 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports app. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kelt Lifter. All right, let's get into this performance by Devin Booker. Last night in particular, but really the whole series. You can always tweet into the show at Rundown987. You can tweet me at Luke Lipinski. You can tweet Jesse. Jesse, what's your actual Twitter handle? Jesse underscore Morrison6, okay. and that's J-E-S-S-E. So you can tweet us with any uh, any thoughts on anything we're talking about. I mean, I, I got quite a bit of response on the Booker stuff last night, and that's uh, it's great to see just for Suns fans that have suffered through this the last... You know, a few years. I think it's interesting. Like, you go 11 years without making the playoffs. Okay, there's a certain level of suffering there. But if you are truly a Suns fan, you understand that there was a stretch of like four years there where it was almost unbearable. The only guy that made it bearable was Devin Booker because he didn't know what he might do on any given night. And when all those people nationally were like, oh, he's going to leave for sure. I mean, it's the NBA. Superstars leave. And he never left. And he never even like hinted that he was going to leave. He stuck around for more than than what we've seen so far. I get that. They're not, like I said, they didn't win the championship last night. But to me, Devin Booker got paid off for sticking around as long as he did in game one of this series, 
against L.A. and Game 6 of this series against L.A. Because Game 1, he looked like a guy that just had heard the criticism about how he would perform in the playoffs, even though he had never gotten to play in the playoffs. And he just went out there and dropped 34 in the Lakers and really set the tone for this series. But last night in particular, 47 points, 8 three-pointers, 7 in the first half. His career high for a game was 6. So just let that sink in for a second. Not only did Devin Booker step up in the series, you could make a case last night was the best game of his career, and it was the most important game of his career. So before we get into any numbers, any you know quotes from players, coaches, opponents, that right there, I kind of thought of that as I was driving in here today, and I'm sure other people have, have, have thought of it as well, but like, what? however you want to measure a guy's greatest performance, like I think last night what he did was more impressive than the 70-point game in a regular season game and a loss to Boston. You know what I mean? Last night is a playoff game in which you go out there, it's a knockout game against LeBron, and you drop eight three-pointers, seven of them in the first half to just bury the Lakers. Everybody says that one of the hardest things to do in the NBA, maybe the hardest over the last decade, is to actually take LeBron out in an elimination game. And because of Devin Booker, not just because of Devin Booker, but predominantly because of Devin Booker, it wasn't even an issue after like midway through the second quarter last night. 47 points, 11 rebounds, 8 three-pointers, and again, 7 in the first half. If you're going to have one of your best games, maybe your best game up to this point in your career, in the biggest game of your career, that's a big-time player. That's and again, it's not something I'm not sitting here telling the people of Phoenix this. You already know. But I mean people nationally at this point, you can't you can't like bury your head in the sand and be like, oh yeah, Booker's okay. Like he's a good scorer. Like, come on. <laughs> he just dropped 47 on the Lakers. Yes, I understand Lakers fan driving around right now is like this would have been different if we had Anthony Davis and and, and a healthy LeBron James. Yeah, maybe. It might have been different if the Suns had a healthy Chris Paul, too. But I still think Devin Booker's putting up his numbers. And on top of all of it, L.A. can't shoot threes, but they are a really good defensive team. And he put up 47 on that team. This is, again, 47 in any game is impressive. But to do it against a defense like the Lakers and to do it in a game of that magnitude, that is just, it's, it is, it's impressive. Uh, This was Devin Booker after the game on just how being a student of the game of basketball has helped him. I mean, it's been a long time. I've been a fan of the game for a really long time. I've always paid attention. Um, I've always watched games um, all the way through, um, and not just the ones that are televised. You know, I'm I'm on league pass faithfully. So, you know, I've dedicated my life, you know, to this game and, you know, wouldn't want it any other way. but it did enhance and enhance during the playoffs. Um, you hear about the playoffs through my first five years. People are like, it's all about adjustments. Every game has its own personality. Um, something's working one game, they're going to take that away the next. Um, so just hearing that and, and and being a student of the game and watching the playoffs in the past and having a really good understanding for that. You know, teams aren't going to let you do what you did last game. You know, it's simple as that. Um, so you have to find ways to improvise. You have to find little nicks and knacks to, you know, find ways to get it done. And, you know, we did that game to game. Um, we had to make adjustments all the way throughout. So, you know, I think my first playoff series was a great attest to that, you know, of making adjustments and, you know, every game just being totally different. 
I don't know if it's because of the job that I have or just kind of where we are going with sports as a society, but I find myself more and more rooting just for individual players based on, you know, whether they are you know, decent people to work with in this line of work or just, you know, things you find out about them. Now, obviously, it's a little bit different. Suns in the playoffs, a local team in the playoffs. Obviously, there's, there's a lot of reasons to want that team to have success. But even if I didn't live here, if I wasn't if I wasn't following the Suns constantly for the last two decades, Devin Booker, for the reasons that he just laid out right there, is the type of player I like to see succeed. You know, one of the more disillusioning things I think you as you grow up as a sports fan is when you start to find out that some of the some of the professional athletes maybe don't care as much as you, or you know they're in it because. They're they're naturally gifted and it just comes easy to them or whatever, but they could kind of take it or leave it at the end of the day or, you know, they, they put in the work, but it's because they want to be professional athletes and they want to get paid or they want to live that lifestyle. And obviously Devin Booker is getting paid and he's living the lifestyle, but he is a student of the game. And those guys that are like, they've got downtime and you just heard him right there. He's firing up league pass to watch two teams. They may not play for a month and a half just because. He wants to be ready whenever they play them. Like those guys that are just all consumed by the sport. And we've known Devin Booker is this way since day one. Those are the guys. I mean, it just it makes it it makes it easier to root for somebody like that. And that's that's really, I honestly I believe one of the main reasons this series was so vindicating for Suns fans. Yes, it was about beating LA and beating LeBron and taking out the defending champs and just finally winning a series. But honestly, I think a lot of it was. Devin Booker suffered through the last five, six years with you, and now he gets to succeed, and you get to enjoy it with him as well. All right, we'll stick um, we'll stick to Suns real quick here before we hit the break. And the Western Conference, kind of touched on this earlier in the show, it's pretty wide open at this point. Not not as I'm not saying that as disrespect to the uh, the Nuggets or the Clippers or the Mavericks or Utah. All very good teams. Uh, all uh, realistically. All teams that could go to the finals. But if you're the Phoenix Suns, and we're seeing this reflected now in like the betting odds, too. The Suns were such major underdogs in that series to the Lakers. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. How, how do you have the Suns that big of underdogs, basically saying they wouldn't get past Game 5 with those odds? Now there a lot of people, a lot of uh, casinos in Vegas are looking at the Suns as the favorites to come out of the Western Conference because you just took out the Lakers. Either way, you've got a Utah team that had the best record in the NBA, but that the Suns swept this season. You've got a Clippers team that certainly has given the Suns problems, but they might be out of it here tonight. They trail right now 14-10 about midway through the first quarter to Dallas, and if Dallas wins tonight, that's it. Clippers done. Uh, you've got a Dallas team that finished nine games behind the Suns. You know, they got Luka, and that's great. They're not a terrible team around Luka, but they're not, I don't know, I'm not all that intimidated by the uh, the Mavericks outside of Luka. No, I mean, he's one of the best players in the world. As Porzingis hits a three. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, it's it's wide open. I do, I do think Denver would be the favorites at this point to come out of the West if Jamal Murray was healthy. And we'll get more into this matchup uh, in just a few minutes, and we'll certainly we'll get into it on Monday. But I mean, again, the series starts on Monday, so there's not a whole lot of time to like build up for it. But uh, I I do think I think nationally, people would look at the Nuggets and say, look, you're in Western Conference Finals last year. People still remember that Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell series where they're just trading like forty and fifty point games. Denver doesn't have that guy right now. Jokic, I mean, certainly is probably going to win MVP, but they don't have that Jamal Murray 
to put up 47 when Devin Booker puts up 47. And it would have been interesting to see those two push each other back and forth in the series. And Jamal has 45 one night, so Booker goes out there and puts up 50 the next night or whatever. Sort of similar to what uh, Donovan Mitchell and, and Murray did last year. I think if you're a Suns fan, you'll take it, though. <laughs> because if Denver had Murray, not that they would definitely win the series, but they'd obviously be a lot tougher. But because they don't have Jamal Murray, I just put Denver in the pack with these other five teams. And honestly, I have the Suns at the top of that pack at this point. It's close. It's very close with Utah. It's close with Denver, too. But Western Conference, partly because the Suns just took out the Lakers, is completely wide open at this point. So it's like, yeah, this is cool. You knocked out the Lakers. We're in the playoffs for the first time in 11 years. There's all these things where it's kind of like dizzying to look around at all the good news surrounding your basketball team in the city. But it's not over. Like The path is there. You could potentially go on a run here. It's not easy. There's not, there's not going to be any easy teams here this round, and, and if you get past Denver in the, uh, the Western Conference Finals, that, that team's not going to be easy either. But all teams that the Suns could beat, and uh, if they play the way they've played these last three games, you got to feel pretty confident that they probably will beat. All right, we come back. We'll get into the, uh, I don't know, the psychological impact on the city, take out L.A. How many times do we hear the Beat L.A. chant in every sport? Finally. A Phoenix team does it, and it's not just like a game on a Thursday night in the middle of the season. Eliminated the Lakers in the first round. Eliminating LeBron in the first round. We'll get into what happened to the Lakers next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball is 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports app. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kiltlifter. Suns in the playoffs on the Rundown. All right, Tommy writing in on Twitter. Tommy uh, Offa says, Devin Booker's career is what Kobe's career would be if he had stayed in Charlotte. That's interesting. I mean, think of that. I, I, people, I think most people forget Kobe ever even got drafted by Charlotte. <laughs> like You just think Laker the whole time. Uh, that, that's an interesting thought. The, the Kobe connections to, to Devin Booker, to Chris Paul, earlier in the series when he got hurt, but he said he had watched that Kobe video and it kind of like inspired him to keep going. It's it's interesting, I guess, in a way, if you're a Lakers fan, you're probably like, man, you guys are all using Kobe as a, as, as an inspiration to beat the Lakers. <laughs> like, But, you know, I think we all knew this, but over the last year, uh, it became really apparent how much Kobe Bryant impacted so many players throughout this league. And obviously Devin Booker is right there near the top of that list. But I mean, Chris Paul... Uh, Damian Lillard, a lot of guys. The Kobe Bryant uh, sphere of influence goes across pretty much the entire NBA with this uh, this generation of players. And so I thought I did think two things the Lakers did last night were cool. I thought Anthony Davis and Vince Murata pointed this out on Twitter last night. I, I, I do think this is worth at least bringing up. I give Anthony Davis credit for going out there and trying to play. I'm not totally sure the Lakers should have done that because you knew he wasn't going to. I mean, within 10 seconds, you're like, okay, so he didn't miraculously heal in a way that no human ever has before, and he can't move. So I don't really know what the purpose of Anthony Davis was out there other than if he stood still out at the three-point line, DeAndre Ayton kind of had to come out there and stand there with him. But I don't think Ayton was going to do that much longer, even if Davis stayed in the game, because Anthony Davis couldn't move. And then he gets he gets hurt again, you know, five and a half minutes in. And you understand it, because he's legitimately hurt. I did think it was cool that he gave it a shot, because 
as much as people are jumping on the Lakers today, and I don't necessarily disagree that they shouldn't have had him out there to play, had he not played, people would be jumping on Anthony Davis being like, all right, well, you know, in an elimination game and he couldn't even suit up. Like, <laughs> sometimes you just can't win. I give him credit for going out there and trying when he was very clearly not hurt, but like injured. And I also give him credit for sticking around to uh, shake hands afterwards, which LeBron did not do, although LeBron did go meet up with Booker after the game in the hallway and uh, and kind of kind of kind of prop Booker up again. I think it's one of the reasons LeBron doesn't bother me as much as he bothers a lot of people is he's been one of the biggest voices in support of Devin Booker outside of this city over the last few years. Like LeBron gets how good Devin Booker is, and and he sort of reinforced that again last night. But um, that's it. That's all the good stuff I'm going to say about the Lakers because the Suns just won, and it's uh, it is quite enjoyable in this city right now. This was Anthony Davis though afterwards on why he played and uh and, and and what the issue is now just wanted to be out there for the team you know in a situation when to go home uh obviously didn't want to just lay down and um not be able to do what i can um it never really felt good but like i say you know i, I you know once i just a competitive nature in me to go out and help the team you know, as best as i could um my body didn't agree so uh Team fault. I mean, we fought, you know, um, made runs, you know, guys left it all, all, left it all out on the floor tonight. And, uh, you know, we get ready for next year. You know, we get ready to have a full off season. Um, everyone held up, you know, especially, you know, the guys that, you know, um, say hurt a lot this year. Um, fill your bodies, rush your bodies, and, and get ready um, for next season. That's all we can do. That's what I'm going to do. Let the body heal and, and uh, get right back to it. I do wonder if that formula that the Lakers are running out there is is going to be successful anymore. Like I understand they just won the title last year, so it obviously works. But you're just that team is so top heavy, and I know there's talk that they're going to let Schroeder go and they're going to try and get Kyle Lowry, and then you know. If you have Lowry and Anthony Davis and LeBron, okay, you know, uh, maybe you have a chance if one of them gets hurt. It's just you're talking about a guy that, fair or not, has been injury prone throughout his career in Anthony Davis and a guy in LeBron James who is going to be 37 next season. And that's not to say he can't still do it, but this is a league where, like, Brooklyn has three Hall of Famers that they're running out there and pieces around them. I just don't know that, that one person can do it anymore in the NBA the way maybe they could five or six or seven years ago. And yeah, some of that is, you can blame LeBron, I mean, for sort of starting the super team era. I do think that the super team still would have happened whether LeBron did it or not. But um, that's just where, I mean, when you're so top-heavy like the Lakers are, you have an injury and you're just kind of done. And it, to a certain extent, you can't you can't control that. Uh, one more clip here from one of the Lakers. This is LeBron talking about that jersey swap with Devin Booker in the hallway in Staples Center last night. I love everything about D-Book. I've had numerous conversations with him in the past. You know, he continues to make the jump. And uh, when you want to be great in this league, um, and as he said, as Kobe as Kobe told him to be legendary, when you want to be legendary in this game, you got to continue to improve not only your game, but you as a man and, and, and everything, both on and off the floor. And uh, all the conversations I've had over the years, um, you know, I could tell he soaked him up and has used him to his advantage. And, um, you know, everyone sees what he's able to do on the floor right now. But I think, you know, his maturity – um, him as a young man is what I'm most impressed about. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I get why LeBron bothered everybody the last two weeks. The Sun's not playing the Lakers now. The Lakers are done. 
He doesn't bother me anymore. It was just, it was simply a going up against the sun sort of thing. And I think one of the reasons why, like I said, is because he has always been, you know, Devin Booker doesn't make the all-star game. LeBron's like, seriously, Devin Booker's not making the all-star game. When you are the Phoenix Suns and you haven't had a lot of people outside of this city and state in your corner to talk you up nationally over the last couple of years, and a guy like Devin Booker, I mean, it hasn't been his fault that this team was winning 19 and 20 games. He was just kind of getting forgotten about nationally. And you could see it because you can still see people reacting now like, oh, Devin Booker, I didn't know he was this good. Like, where have you been? It's been six years of this. I get that it takes it to a new level when you do it on the big stage, but it is sort of a reminder of how forgotten the Suns have been over the last few years, really till they got to the bubble last year. But uh, that, was, that was kind of a cool moment after the game. I don't know. Maybe that wouldn't have uh, resonated with me as much if it were the Lakers winning the series and that happening. But since the Suns won, I, you know, yeah, I think I think everything was. Uh, there's not much that could have happened after that game last night that we wouldn't have felt good about. But that was uh, it was kind of a cool moment. All right, we come back. The top five. We haven't done a top five list on the show in a while because a lot of the shows the last couple of weeks have have just been like Suns pregame, and we haven't had a good full two hour show. Really, haven't ver- had very many since Jesse got here. So we're going to do top five next. The top five takeaways from this Suns-Lakers series because uh, as satisfying as it is to take out L.A., it's pretty much time to turn the page because you got Nuggets-Suns coming up on Monday. Top five takeaways next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. That, that, uh, that song, of course, means it's time for a top five list. And we haven't done one of these in a while. The way it works, very simple. I don't think I have to explain the concept of a top five list. Jesse has his top five. I have my top five. We don't know what uh, the other persons are. We're just going to read up the list. And I think this one's broad enough. We're going to get some, some pretty wide-ranging answers. But the top five takeaways from the Lakers series. So this, I mean, in theory, could be anything. It could be takeaways about the Lakers. It could be takeaways about uh, how the Suns played, what this means for the Suns going forward. Any, any way, any direction you want to take it. Jesse, I will let you go first. What is your number five takeaway from this Suns-Lakers series that ended last night? LeBron's still really good, but finally starting to show his age just a little bit. Like, he's not the same player. He definitely wasn't. How much of that, I mean, do you think that was because of the injury? Do you think it's just simply father time or both? Wear and tear in the injury. I mean, this guy's played three extra seasons just to play off games. That's absurd. That's absolutely absurd. It is one of the most absurd stats, the fact that he has played, what is it now? It's like 256 playoff games, I believe. I think it's 256 playoff games, which is just ridiculous. Um... My number five is that campaign is an impact player. And I don't know if he will be an impact player for the Suns next year or if he's going to end up getting paid and uh, and he will be on a different team next season. I'm certainly not going to begrudge him if that's, uh, if that's what happens. But if I had told you coming into this series that he was going to be the Suns' number three scorer against the Lakers, you probably would have been like, all right, look. I like Cameron Payne at all, but that's not a good sign. But uh, but he was he was he, and he was he was absolutely an impact player in pretty much every game, except not maybe so much last night. But seventy five points over the course of the six games, there were stretches in there where the Lakers didn't seem to have an answer for him. And really, you know, the heart of that stretch was 
game four when the Suns were on the ropes, and he you know, even he was even good in game three. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what uh, where he ends up next year. I know the Suns would like to keep him if they could, but uh, but either way, I mean, you're going to need him against Denver and potentially beyond. So a campaign, sort of a breakout here. Not just these playoffs. It's really been since he got to the Suns at the end of last year. But for him to be able to do it in a series where the other team knows what's coming by, you know, game four or five, that was solid. All right, my number four is that Aiton has arrived and was definitely the right pick for the Suns. He really fits this team well, and I really, you know, thought that he kind of silenced Drummond and the, you know, rest of the Lakers bigs. And and if the Suns did not have him in the series, I, I think it would have been a completely different series. Did you... I just want to make sure. I'm not putting words in your mouth. So if you could go back and redo that draft, you would still take him over Luka? Yeah. Really? He fits the team better. Like, Booker and Luka together... It's a couple of guards. The Suns have tried that. I know with much worse players, but a couple ball-dominant guards. And I know Chris Paul's kind of ball-dominant, but he's a pass-first guy. So I, I think that I think that he fits the team. Uh, look, there's something to that. I wouldn't quite go that far, but he's 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 still a good pick. And uh, and I do think, I said this before the playoffs. Maybe we'll get more into it later when the after the playoffs. You start to look at that 2018 draft class, and... Aiton even kind of said this the other night. Like, that's one of the best classes ever. If you if you don't compare Aiton to Luka and Trey Young, and like Michael Porter Jr. Uh, was in that class, but we're certainly going to see him now over the next couple weeks. If you just compare Aiton to the number one overall picks in the NBA over like the last decade, you feel a lot better about the pick. Now, the way this series just played out, that's all off the table because you feel great about the pick anyway because playoff Aiton is, is a monster compared to... Uh, to what we see consistently from regular season Aiton. And, you know, to be fair, Aiton didn't have huge games in in, uh, in games five or six, but the Suns, you know, they're cruising at that point. I'm not going to read too much in the stats. I do want to see how he performs against Denver now, just because you start to go big picture, and it's like, how much do the Suns want to pay this guy? You're obviously not going to pay him over just four playoff games, but you also really only care what he does in the playoffs, not so much the regular season. And you have to be excited after what you saw if you're a Suns fan from DeAndre Ayton in this series against L.A. That was that was big time from DeAndre Ayton. Uh, my number four is that the Suns team has an attitude, and they did not like being laughed at in uh, in Game 3, nor should they have. But, you know, there was there were some moments towards the end of Game 3 and the start of Game 4 where it was like, man... The Lakers are just going to bully the Suns now. They figured it out, and not only are they going to bully them, but they're not really going to show a whole lot of class as they do it. And credit the Suns. They realized, which is not that hard, but apparently it was tough for the Lakers, it's not a best-of-three series, it's a best-of-seven series. And ever since that uh, that moment where the Lakers bench was just laughing at the Suns players and mocking them towards the end of Game 3, the Suns won every game after that. So I, I do, I like that attitude that this team has. They were never afraid of the Lakers in that series. Uh, number three. So my number three is, and I, I mean, I think a lot of people probably already knew this, but Chris Paul, tough. Yeah. Super tough. Battling through that shoulder. He even tweaked it again in yesterday's game, but he st- stayed in there and battled and, you know, he had a pretty good series given the circumstances. Yeah. And I think he's one of those guys that you have to, uh, 
you look at the stats, but I think you can't measure it just in his stats, obviously, because he was banged up in the series. And I, I, unfortunately for the Suns, I think he's going to be probably pretty pretty banged up for the uh, the duration of these playoffs, but they just showed they can win a series with him as long as he's able to still play with him being a little bit banged up. My number three sort of uh, coincides with that. Just I was impressed by the resiliency of this team. I wouldn't say I was surprised by it. We've, we've seen it really ever since Monty Williams got here, and I, I keep referencing their ability to show up in the bubble last year when they were the one team that really probably knew even if they went 8-0, and oh, they weren't going to make the uh, the playoffs, but they still went 8-0. And and not only that, I mean, I was just I was impressed that they showed up and and played with the effort they did, knowing they were kind of there to fill out the other playoff teams' schedules, and instead they went eight and zero and almost made it. Uh, that resiliency carried over to this year, but you never know how it's going to carry over in a seven game series because you know Chris Paul gets hurt in game one and he bounces back and keeps playing. Like you're saying, he's he's as tough as they they get, but the team didn't fall apart in game one, which would have been easy to do. They didn't bow down to the Lakers after they had been embarrassed in Game 3, and they were trailing by double digits in the first half of Game 4. Like, that's that's the craziness of this. That uh, Game 4 was, what, that was five days ago. Like, it wasn't that long ago. It feels like it was 100 years ago when they were down by double digits in Game 4 and down 2-1 in the series, but they just they didn't get rattled. And uh, and that's that's that is the sign of a true contender, and this team certainly is a contender. Uh, what do you got for number two? Booker arrived, and we, we talked about this, but Booker arrived to a national audience. I think people that weren't familiar with how good Devin Booker was or, you know, may, maybe were just like, oh, he's that okay guy in Phoenix. Now realize, oh, Devin Booker, one of the best two guards in the NBA. Yeah, I, I'm really enjoying this run by Booker, and I... And I <sighs> I'll save my comments on Booker because I obviously have him on my list too. But uh, but yeah, I certainly agree with that. Uh, my number two takeaway is that this defense is just nasty. I mean, the Suns at one point in the series had to adjust and figure out a way to shut down Dennis Schroeder because he was causing problems for them. And uh, you know, you maybe you can't shut down Anthony Davis, you can't shut down LeBron, but they 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 absolutely did shut down Schroeder in the pivotal games in this series. And I get Anthony Davis not being there really for five and six certainly helped, but they were, they had made the adjustments on Schroeder prior to that. And they saw a Lakers team that while gifted with two players has a pretty glaring weakness in that they can't hit threes. And man, did the Suns exploit that and just basically said, go ahead, shoot your threes. We're not going to let you beat us any other way. And that's when the series swung. So I, it, the defense was there all year for the Suns, but it, uh, it reached another level for me in these playoffs. All right, so what do you got for number one? Number one is, and you you touched on this already, uh, this team just kind of reaffirmed what I already thought, that they're the most resilient team in the NBA. They dealt with so much adversity in that series and just kept, you know, pushing. And, they, you know, that, that's, that was my number one takeaway, is just that they reaffirmed that they are this unbelievably resilient team that, you don't really see all the time in the NBA. Yeah, and I mean, you can make a pretty strong case that the resiliency decided that series because the Lakers were not resilient. And I get Anthony Davis going down as a big part of your team, but he went down, they never won another game. They weren't even really competitive from that point forward. You know, and and, and yeah, Chris Paul was able to still stick around and be in these games and he was able to contribute, so maybe it wasn't as big of a blow to the Suns as losing Davis was to the Lakers, but it was a pretty big blow and the Suns are the younger team. They are the inexperienced team. And they lose their leader midway through the second quarter of game one. It's like, all right, we don't even know if he's coming back. 
the way that injury looked in the second quarter of game one with the Lakers even huddled up around him, it was like, okay, is he just done for the year and we're completely screwed? And and I, I, I will never forget that the Suns managed to win that game. That's the one to me where they could have been so rattled because you don't know if Paul is going to even come back in these playoffs. That's the one where you could get rattled. At least game two and game three, like you you saw him off the court and you kind of had some some preparation going into the games. But then winning game one was was obviously huge, and that's that resiliency you're talking about. For me, it's uh, it's along the lines of what you just said with Devin Booker. I think we all knew in this uh, in this town that he was going to be able to perform in the playoffs, and eventually he'd be a guy that could take over in the playoffs. He took over in his first NBA playoff series ever, and he did it to take out LeBron James and the uh, and the defending champs in the first round. Thirty four points in game one was huge. Talking about Chris Paul going out, how did they win that game? Devin Booker. Is not the only reason, but he's a major reason they won that game. And then, you know, the stats are nice in the next couple games. You know, 17 points in, in Game 4, maybe not uh, what you expect from Booker, but he was he was good defensively, and they won that game anyway. But for, like I said, for him to, to put up 47 in a closeout game against LeBron, sometimes you see the guys get the stats even in the playoffs, like in Games 1 and 2 and 3, but when, when somebody's season on the line, they kind of wilt. Not, no. <laughs> the exact opposite for Booker. That might have been the best game of his career last night. And it was, he did it, he basically had a game in the first quarter. You talk about it. You go out there and like, you got to find a way to, to knock a team out when they're on the ropes. Don't let them hang around for multiple games. Booker didn't even let them hang around for multiple quarters. The game was done in the first quarter because he had six three-pointers in the first quarter. And he was just making circus shots, too, in Game 5 when, when the series really swung uh, permanently. So for me, it's it's not that Devin Booker is ready for the playoffs. It's that Devin Booker is ready to take over the playoffs. He already did it, and I'm, I'm really can't wait for Monday to see what he does against Denver to start off Round 2. All right, that was Top 5, and that was our number one of the show. We'll come back with the reload next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Arizona's sports station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. Hour number two of the show, live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios on this Friday evening. Luke Lipinski here with you. Jesse Morrison behind the glass. Just reveling in the Suns' victory over the Lakers to advance to round two to take on the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Starting on Monday, let's get into the Reload. And uh, we will have... Jesse, we're going to have you throw out the first one. All right, so obviously the first and biggest story of the day is the Suns beating the Lakers 113-100 to move on to the second round of the NBA playoffs for the first time since 2010. It was, uh, I think it was encouraging for a lot of different reasons, obviously. But if you go on ArizonaSports.com today, there's a ton of coverage, certainly. And one of the things is they had the hosts, they had us write just like a couple sentences, maybe a couple paragraphs on, on takeaways from the series and it's something maybe you learned about the Suns. And, uh, and Kellen Olsen and Kevin Zimmerman, two guys that, that cover the Suns great for us. Uh, they've been doing a great job for, for years and years. Um, they both kind of touched on the, the notion that what we saw from the Suns in the regular season this year translates to the playoffs. And that's one of those things you just... You never know until you get there. And that's not a knock on a team to go into the playoffs and be like, okay, we really like what we saw from this group, but we don't know how it translates in the playoffs because we just we haven't seen it yet. 
We haven't seen them play in the playoffs. Now we have, and uh, they really didn't have to change their game, which is also encouraging. They made some adjustments in that series, which is uh, is smart, and that's something you have to be able to do, and that's not all Monty Williams, but a lot of it is Monty Williams. But uh, their ability to to sort of read what the Lakers were doing, you know, after game three to realize we're going to have to do something different. We have to. It's not working. And then to be able to do it without going so far away from what you do as a team, what makes you good, that's a fine line to walk. And and the Suns were able to do it. You know, there's a lot of adjustments over the course of five, six, seven games when you're just playing the same team over and over again. Denver is going to be different. I, I think a lot of people just look at the Nuggets and like, whatever, they're not the Lakers, no big deal. I mean, they've got the guy that's going to win MVP in the middle. They don't have Jamal Murray, but they do have Michael Porter Jr. They've got some other pieces. I like the Suns' depth a lot more than I like Denver's depth, but I do think Denver's probably a better team than the Lakers were. So this is uh, it's it's going to be another test certainly, but uh, you have to be you have to like what you saw from the Suns in that that first round. Just that they they do seem to have the ability to adjust over the course of a seven game series without getting away from what makes them good. So number two is. In Arizona, obviously, only allowed to have one or two nice things. <laughs> so uh, the D-backs down four to nothing to the Brewers right now. Uh, well, They're really struggling right now, to y- say the least. Yeah. Um, look, only being allowed to have one or two nice things is better than it was like two years ago when it didn't feel like we were allowed to have any nice things when it came to sports in the city. Well, you had the D-backs in 2017, the one nice thing. Yeah, it was four years ago. <laughs> That's true. Gosh. That was four years ago. It was it was four years ago, and it it ultimately was they just won one game, right? Like I I was at that game, and it was great. Don't get me wrong, and and you you can't you can't overstate the value of just being in that playoff atmosphere for a team. But uh, it's not like they made a deep run; they got swept pretty aggressively by the uh, the the Dodgers in the the league divisional series. Um, yeah, it's not going well for the Diamondbacks. There's really there's no way to there's no way to spin it where it's even like, oh, okay, things are tough, but maybe look at this. They trail tonight for nothing. Freddie Peralta is uh, is pitching well. Freddie Peralta's been good this season for the uh, the Brewers. Um, they've lost two in a row coming into this game. They've lost two of their last five. That's the nicest way I can put it because really, or they've won two of their last five rather. Um, this is how bad it is. This feels like the Suns like three years ago where I got to sit here and count all the losses in a row, and there's so many that it's hard to do because you might lose count. They are 2-16 and 16 in their last 18 games. That's not great. And, uh, yeah, I mean, at one point they were 15-13 and 13 when they beat the Rockies on May 2nd. And since then they have gone 5-25. and 25. That's not just like, oh, probably not going to make the playoffs in a tough division bad. That is... Like, bottom of the league, bad. Really tough time to be a co-Orioles D-backs fan. Yeah. <laughs> who, who would do such a thing to themselves? You don't know anybody like Me. that, do you? Uh, I guess uh, I can throw this out there since he, he doesn't pitch for the Diamondbacks. They are... We in the seventh? We're in the top of the seventh right now. Yeah. D-backs are currently being no hit. So, <laughs> as if to add to the theme of... Uh, of what we are talking about. Yeah, they have um, they have no hits. One out top of the seventh. Freddie Peralta on the mound for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, all right, Jesse, get us away from this. What else you got? 
Clippers-Mavs game six is going on right now. A little under five minutes left in the second quarter. And I looked over and it was 39-30 to Dallas over the Clippers. And now the Clippers have stormed back 41-40 to Dallas leads. So just by one, that's heating up to be a pretty good finish there. I like one of the, the underrated things about having the local team in the playoffs. Like, this is a good game. This is a good series, Clippers-Mavericks. So I'd be checking it out anyway. But isn't there, like, a little extra juice to it when you're like, uh, one of these teams could play the Suns in a couple weeks. So, like, now I'm, not like, invested. I think most Suns fans have one team or the other that they want to win this series now just just for how they think it might impact the Suns. Yeah, I'm, I'm super invested in this just because, you know, my teams are out in the NHL and the NBA. But, I, you know, I can't help now that I live here to just root for the Suns a little bit. And so I'm interested, and I'm just I'm interested to see, you know, which of these teams, what what either of these teams would do against Phoenix. The winner of this series, and and Dallas can win it tonight, and they are up 41-40, four minutes left in the second quarter. They're up three two in the series. Um, the winner of this series would play Utah. Are you picking Utah in that, or does it depend who wins this? Because the Clippers are one of those teams, and this this one I don't really understand. With all due respect to the Clippers, who handled the Suns a few times this season, that that is the one team that people were like, oh yeah, but when the playoffs start, you know, the Clippers are going to be great, and the Lakers are going to be great, and the and the Nets are going to be great. Well, the Nets are great. The Lakers are beat up. I don't, I don't know about this Clippers team. They feel like they are like one bad moment away from just Kawhi leaving and them collapsing for the next ten years. True, but the Jazz are frauds. Clippers win. Ooh, wow! Take that, Utah. I, I don't. Uh, that that view by Jesse Morrison is not uh, necessarily the view of the rundown in its entirety. I do think the Suns match up well with the Jazz, though. Um, but yeah, Clippers, Mavericks. It's <laughs> the whole time we talked that nobody has scored. It's still forty-one forty, Dallas. Uh, all right, what else you got? The Suns will face the Nuggets on Monday to start the second round of the NBA playoffs for Phoenix and Denver. Yeah, not a lot of uh, not a lot of downtime. Uh, a little bit, I guess, for Chris Paul to to rest up. But um, gonna get right into this. And uh, you got Game One Monday, Game Two Wednesday, Game Three Friday. It's basically every other day. In fact, it is every other day. So if you're trying to figure out, if you're trying to plan around when the Suns are playing these games against the Nuggets. Game one is Monday at 7 o'clock downtown Phoenix, and from there it's just every other day. Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, and then Sunday. The game seven would actually be uh, two days off between six and seven, but um, should be a fun series. It really should. It's uh, Denver's, there's just such a wild card to me, and and obviously we, <laughs> maybe the biggest wild card in the series is how quickly can Chris Paul heal up a little bit more because I do think as you start to get deeper in these playoffs – you're going to need him, not at 100%, but you're going to need him closer, you know, to 70 or 80%. And there were times towards the end of that Lakers series where he showed flashes of it. But uh, you're going to need it, certainly, to beat a team like the Denver Nuggets. You got any more? We have one more. Okay. And it is the college baseball playoffs, or whatever they call it, the, the tournament has started and uh, ASU currently playing Fairfield and it is six to five Fairfield bottom of the eighth but Sean McClain just doubled in Seth Nager um, that made it six five that right made it six yeah. five and now they're and Ethan Long was intentionally walked so 
Two on, one out, bottom of the eighth, Fairfield leading ASU. And then GCU and U of A are playing each other. How's that for a plot twist? And that is in the top first two of two outs, GCU at bat zero to zero. Big uh, big GCU fan tonight. I've never. I mean, I guess I've been to GCU. I didn't go to GCU. I know people that went there. I mean, I guess I know people that went to U of A too. But uh, yeah, big GCU fan tonight. That's Sarah Cazal. Can, can you imagine if GCU is Carlin? Was, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them. Kellen Olson went to uh, Olson. Um, if if uh, if GCU and U of A were playing in round one of the NCAA basketball tournament, can you imagine how crazy the city would be going right now? This entire state, I guess, that would be insane. But uh, but yeah, and this is you know ASU always good at baseball. Never, never quite great enough to win the uh, the World Series. Maybe this is their year. But I remember, remember when I when I got to Tempe to go to ASU, it was always like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna see probably a national champion in uh, in men's baseball at some point. And uh, still waiting on that one. I know they've won them, but that was before I ever got here. All right, that was the reload. When we come back, uh, we're starting to hear from more and more people with uh, big names with connections to the Phoenix Suns. And now as this team has reached the NBA's version of the Elite Eight. Jerry Colangelo is talking. We'll hear from him next. It is The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, that music means it is time for a round of fill in the blank. It's a very simple game. I've got... Four sentences for Jesse, and Jesse's got four sentences for me. They're each missing at least a word or a phrase or whatever. And the way we do this, ideally, is we just go back and forth. You're supposed to do it essentially like it's word association, like the first word or you know maybe like two or three words that pops into your head. That's how you're going to fill out the, uh, the the blank, and then we will discuss what the answer ultimately means. You want to go first, or do you want me to uh, want me to read first? I'll go first. All right. Wow. Bold. I like it. The Suns and the Nuggets will go blank games. Oh, I'm already taking too long to think. Six. I'm going to say six. And with who winning? That's a second question. can't ask that question. I can't ask a second question? You can't. Oh. I, I will give you my answer to that on uh, on Monday. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why I think six. I definitely think it's capable of going seven, but yeah, I, I think six. I think the Suns win. How's that for holding out? There we go. I, I think there the Suns we go. Win. Yes. Um, let's see. Blank is the player left in these NBA playoffs that scares you the most. So no Suns. Like if you're approaching this as a Suns fan, let's say, which player in these playoffs scares you the most? Kawhi. Really? Okay. Two-time Finals MVP. Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's that's not a wrong answer. There are wrong answers, but that's not one of them. Um, really scared of Bryn Forbes. <laughs> See, that might fall into the wrong answer category. See, that's what we're going to get wrong, that way. Yeah. Right or wrong. Um, I think Dame would have been the one that scared me the most, but obviously Portland's out of it. Portland didn't scare me, though. That's remarkable, the, the performance he turned in, and they still couldn't win that series. Um, yeah, Kawhi's a good answer. Kawhi might be eliminated here, though. They are starting the third quarter. They're up right now, 48-45, but... If the Clippers lose tonight, they are done, and Dallas would advance to play Utah. All right, your turn. LeBron will win blank more championships. That's a good one. I'm going to say one. 
Really? You think was, he's going to win again? I think he's going to win one more championships. Yes. One more championships. Yeah, well, he's, that's how you phrase the question. And I, yeah, I, I think I think he'll find a way to win one more. I do think it's important to him to hang around and try and win two more and match uh, Michael Jordan, which, you know, good luck with that. Um, I don't... If they get Kyle Lowry, I don't know. There's not a way I'm going to pick the Lakers next year. 36-year-old Kyle Lowry, yeah. a hobbled Anthony Davis, and a 37-year-old LeBron James. Nothing can go wrong. Is Kyle Lowry really 36? He will be at the time they go to the playoffs next year. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he will be when he turns 36, and I would have tipped my hat to you. Wow, he is. He's, he's basically as old as LeBron. That's surprising. Yeah, I, there's not. I can't imagine myself picking the Lakers to win it all at the start of next year. But I do... I, I, I'm still going to leave some runway for like the year where LeBron is a good player on a team, but he's not the best player, but he's like a, a decent player. Maybe he's taking less to be on like one more super team or something. So yeah, I'll, I'll say he wins one more. Um, Jay Crowder thinks blank whenever he gets the ball. Shoot. <laughs> I, it doesn't matter if he's feeling it or not feeling it. Just he shoots. <laughs> Do you think he even thinks, like, or just the ball comes to him and he just fires it? Which I kind of like. I kind of like it. Pretty much. Sometimes it goes in. Sometimes it really works. And then sometimes, as we saw early in the series, it doesn't. But we like what happened at the end of the series. Did Save you, it for the end of the series. It's better for him to be cold at the beginning. True. The end. Did you hear his stats from uh, from three-point range for the series, like the way they break down? No, I didn't. He was 2-for-20 through the first three games. Okay, so they're down 2-1 in the series. He's not hitting anything, and, and the, the Suns are in trouble. Goes 12-for-26 over the last three games from three-point <laughs> range. So almost 50%. Like that might absurd. be on the Mount Rushmore of streakiest NBA <laughs> players of all time. I do love, though, it's just like, hey, I saw the ball, so I just threw it at the hoop. It doesn't matter where just we're like standing. chucks it like a baseball <laughs> was, or a football. There was one of the games where it was like, all right, let's run down some clock. I know Jay got it with uh, 23 seconds left on the clock and just, like, threw it overhand at the hoop. <laughs> Not uh, not in the mood to kill the uh, the shot clock. That's Jay Crowder. All right, that's a good answer. Your turn. The 2018 draft class is the blank best of all time oh, because DeAndre Ayton already <laughs> says it's the best. Yeah, he, he that's that might be a little um, that might be a little ambitious. It is good though. If you start, I I mean I'll, I don't know. I'll say fourth. Wow, <laughs> I don't, I don't have a high rank. rank for a three year old draft. Uh, class. It's true. I do want to. We should go through some of that though. We were gonna we we're gonna do a rough draft. We haven't done that in a while. We were doing that where we would redraft. Uh, we'd pick a, a sport in a year and basically just redraft the top ten picks. Not not based on team need or whatever, but just like here we are. Let's do the. We did the uh, the Patrick Mahomes draft. We did the Giannis draft. We're gonna do the 2018 draft next time we have like a full show because the Giannis draft is one of the worst. It, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I think Cody was in here for that, and like we got through the first like four picks and it was great, and then it was like, all right, who do you hate the least of who's left? <laughs> the 2018 draft, though, just some of the names. Like, I know we always talk about Luca and Aiton. Obviously, Trey Young, who's right there in that uh, conversation. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., who we're going to see a lot of in the coming weeks. Mikael Bridges, uh, Miles Bridges. It's a good year for Bridges. Shea Gilgis Alexander. I, I mean, there's some there's some really good. Jaron Jackson Jr. is not in that that uh, that upper tier, but he's he's good. He just can't stay on the floor. That's a good draft for only being a couple years old. Yeah, not the best ever though, DeAndre. I 
I respect it. I think it probably Jordan if I... Jordan and Barkley were in the same draft with <laughs> Olajuwon. I think Jordan and Barkley were in the same draft. Uh, at least Jordan and uh, Olajuwon were. Don't forget Sam Bowie. Uh, <laughs> all right. In honor of National Donut Day, which I looked it up, and that's today. I had two donuts today. <laughs> Did you really? Okay, so you're a good person to ask. Because I, I, I didn't want to ask you if you are going to be like, I hate donuts. Uh, in honor, donuts. There are people out there, I bet. Same people that don't like pizza. Ugh. They're probably in our newsroom. There's, there's somebody out there like in our newsroom that doesn't like donuts because that's just how weird our newsroom is. Uh, yeah, it's a newsroom. Newsrooms are weird. There's only, I think, a couple people out there right now, though, and I, I don't know. I, I don't, uh, I can't, I, I feel like if somebody doesn't like donuts, you can just tell by looking at them because they're not smiling. I can tell that Jarrett Carlin does like donuts. <laughs> he eats everything. He doesn't care. <laughs> Uh, in honor of National Donut Day, blank is the perfect kind of donut. So basically, construct your perfect donut. Just the hot donut at Krispy Kreme. That's just the glazed. Oh, you're a purist. Just, I'm, I'm just a purist. glazed donut. A, wow. But, but it has to be the hot one. Because if it's not hot, like if I go to Dunkin', then I'm going with like a blueberry cake donut. Oh, that's a bold move. That, there's nothing, there's nothing uh, basic about that one. The hot donut. Very underrated invention in society. I don't even know if it's an invention. I mean, obviously, you have to cook the donuts to make them. But I don't feel like a hot donut was readily available until, like, this century. Yeah, until Krispy Kreme started that glorious neon sign that makes you pull over every time. And, and you know, now if you're vaccinated, like, you just get one for free. That's true. You just get a free hot donut. Yeah. Oh. I know what I'm eating for dinner. Amazing. No. <laughs> All right. I can't have a third today. Yeah, I mean, it's a hat trick. Why can't you? It's, it's a hockey playoffs. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> All right. <laughs> believe it's my fourth one. Yes, this has gone off the rails, as expected. Good. I like that. Uh, flavored pizza crusts are blank. We always have to talk pizza on this show. <laughs> oh, um, I, I need clarification, because this is obviously a very important uh, subject to me. So when you say flavored pizza crust, are you talking about, like... Stuffed crust? Are you talking about like... No, I'm not talking about stuffed crust. Stuffed crust is a whole other category. Okay. I'm talking about like uh, Domino's Hungry Howie's does this. It's like uh, like you can get like Asiago crust or okay. whatever. All right, that's what, that's what I thought. Now re- re-ask the question so I can answer it properly. Flavored pizza crusts are Un- Unnecessary. I don't, I don't think they're necessary. Now, I don't hate them. I'm not like I'm not going to sit here and, and rail on flavored pizza crust for the next 20 minutes, although, trust me, I, just, I wouldn't mind doing that. Um, they, they don't bother me, but I don't think they're necessary. I, think, I, I, I do think the crust is the most important part of the pizza, and I will stand firm in that, uh, that argument. I mean, sauce obviously important. Sauce. A lot of places don't put enough sauce, you know, and so I have to get extra sauce. I ordered uh, pizza with a couple friends of mine, like, I don't know, um, probably about two months ago. Okay. And I, I won't say the, the, the name of, like, the company, because I don't necessarily know that I remember for sure. But it was, like, when when you had to order online, like, nobody could really go anywhere. So this is actually probably, like, three or four months ago now. And on their website, if you didn't exclusively click cheese... You got a pizza without any cheese on it. Now, how do I know this? Well, we got like a Supreme pizza that had sausage, pepperoni, onion, sauce, no cheese. 
which let me tell you is horrible, by the way. Like, I'm not the world's biggest cheese fan, but on pizza, it's kind it's of also necessary. National Cheese Day. Oh, it is. Wow. Okay. So you just shamed cheese on National Cheese. No, I'm, I'm telling you, cheese is important, and I learned is, a valuable but you lesson. You also said that you don't like it that much. I so. just, I'm not somebody that just eats a block of cheese. I will have it on my pizza, and that's about it. I'm not a huge. We can get into the debate over cheddar cheese another time, but we need Sarah Cazell here for that. Cheddar cheese is overrated. It's okay. All right. See, that's what I said, and it's the most angry she's ever gotten at me. Smoked Gouda. That's kind of bougie. Um, All right, I'm going to bring the show down with a a baseball question. (laughs) (laughs) And the music even stopped for a second. Adding blank would be the fastest way to fix the D-backs. You can't say cheese. Adding... I, I got a filibuster here because there's a <laughs> lot of things that they need. I, well, uh, that's why it's such a vexing question. Adding uh, um, Iron Man, like play, like the superhero oh, Iron Man, like iron suits, so that you know they can't get hurt. That's anymore. a good answer, actually. Yeah, like like some some sort of way to make human beings invincible from injury. Yeah, that's fair. That's not a good really one. one word, but no, that's good. And uh, here, I had an extra one I'll ask you here since we, uh, I got time for it. Devin Booker's first round performance was blank. Remarkable. Remarkable. Okay. I'm, I'm, for some reason, I'm actually writing that down on this piece of paper that I 100% am going to recycle the second the show is over. But I wrote it down as if some sort of permanent record. Just put it in Jarrett's uh, filing cabinet. Oh, that <laughs> I should. We should start putting stuff in his filing cabinet to see if he notices, because he's got stuff in there from, like, I, I don't know, like the early 30s. <laughs> All right, that was uh, that was fill in the blank. We'll come back, wrap up the show, Talking Sons next. Uh, it is the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball is 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports app. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kilt Lifter. Suns in the playoffs on the rundown. Final segment of the show. D-backs trail the Brewers 5-1 to one, top of the ninth, but they are not getting no hit, so... That's uh, that's something. Uh, scored a run. It's true. Not even getting shut out at this point. Good job. Feels like a win. The offense has dried up. I guess this is what happens when you have like seventy three injuries and you're only a third of the way through the season. They, bionic men. They need bionic men. Man, that, that was a good answer to the uh, the fill in the blank question of of blank is what the uh, is what could fix the D backs the fastest because like I didn't know if you were going to go like Mike Trout. If you were going to go Jacob Degrom, there's only so much one guy can do though. So I don't think you could just give like one answer. As we have seen with Mike Trout and Jacob DeGrasse. It's true. They would fit right in. Both uh, <laughs> both would get hurt. Uh, Charles Barkley on the, uh, the postgame last night. It was it was him, Kenny Smith, obviously, and Shaq. And they went around. And <laughs> you could tell it pained Chuck to not pick the Phoenix Suns. But as it turns out, when they started to look ahead towards Suns Nuggets here starting on Monday, He's actually the only one on the panel who didn't take Phoenix. I don't know Ernie right now. I have to. Come on, you got you get paid to answer right hey, hit now. Hit that button. I, hit that button. You know, I, I, I get paid know, to answer. My right heart, now. my heart's always gonna say my sons. I think Denver's gonna win the series. I do. I think Denver's gonna win the series. Uh, wow. I do. I hate to pick against my sons. If you ask me right now, 
And listen, our job is to be honest. We're not here to make friends. Our job is to be honest. I, I think Denver's going to win that series. Kenny? Oh, man. This is this is a, we get paid to make the choice. <laughs> this is an even series. I, I would say the difference Answer is going the question, to be. Man. Answer the question. You just think, yelled at me and told me to answer the question. You took your time. Can I Ernie. take mine too? Phoenix and six, Ernie. Phoenix and thank you very much. Okay. Jeez, answer the question. I don't care what you think. Who's going to win the series? I, I I can't give you numbers like six and five and four. Well, who's going to win the series? I, I, I my thing is also tell you why. Kenny. The people Kenny. I, I know, but it has to be during this show. Hey, I'm, Kenny. I'm, I'm going to – I would have said it if y'all had let me talk by now. But I'm going to go with the Phoenix Suns. Thank you. I think Aiton will pose a different problem on the defensive end where Joker will only be perimeter. perimeter. He won't be perimeter and, he won't, and at the same time interior. He would only have one advantage. Glad we waited for that explanation. Uh, yeah, it did take a while to get there, but that's Kenny Smith and uh, and Shaq both taking the Suns. Barkley going with uh, Denver. That's probably where most of the analysis of this series is going to start, right? It's Jokic versus Aiton. It's not that clear cut. It's not like those two are just going to be on each other for the entire series. But, um, you know, if DeAndre Aiton can, can have a, an impact on this series the way he did uh, in that Lakers series... It's going to be big because obviously Jokic is, is Denver's uh, best hope in this one. Although the way Michael Porter Jr. is hitting three-pointers is <laughs> it's unlike anything the Suns saw from the uh, from the Lakers, obviously. It's going to be a good series. It's going to be. I don't know that it would have taken me a minute and a half to make the pick like it took Kenny Smith. Don't you think inside the NBA, those three guys, even when they all retire and they're not doing that show anymore, they're all just going to be sitting on like a porch or something arguing about anything that happens? Like that is the the dynamic between you can throw Ernie Johnson in there too, but specifically Chuck and Shaq and then Kenny Smith. That dynamic is it, it's pretty much perfect. It's so good. It's it might be the best show in sports. I think it is. I think it's uh, obviously other than the rundown on ninety eight seven FM Arizona Sports yes, Station, of course. But uh, but TV, yeah, TV wise, it's. I was referring to TV, obviously. Wise. Yeah, no, I, it's um, it's one of those things where like there will be a game on. TNT and I won't you know maybe I either won't care about the game or we'll get back from this show or whatever and you know it could be the middle of of the season but if I see that that they're still doing the post game show I'll flip that on because that's <laughs> that's more important to me than a Charlotte Memphis game or something in the middle of March and I don't really care about the analysis I just like when they like catch Charles sleeping in the back <laughs> they argue about everything it's, it's amazing so good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that we'll get more into that uh, into the start of the series on uh, Monday. We're going to have, I believe, a half hour rundown. It'll really be a Phoenix Suns uh, playoffs special, but um, we'll get into that more. I do. I still want to enjoy this victory over the uh, the Lakers here while we have the uh, the time to do it. And um, how about DeAndre Ayton asked about what he saw from Devin Booker in this series? You know, I'm I'm sometimes speechless. You know. Um, when he's scoring so big in halves and quarters, even like how he did today, I think he scored 19 points in a quarter. You know, I was on the bench watching. I'm like, dude, this this has to be some type of history this dude's uh, making, you know, scoring like this. And, you know, I feel like he doesn't miss sometimes. But, you know, um, it, it was it was just great to, 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 to experience all of this, to be honest. You know, I've seen him go to another level 
with my own eyes, you know, and just seeing it and being a part of that is actually amazing. You know, just being a part of his legacy, him and Tim and Chris is, it, it's actually crazy. And I see how Chris worked with him and, you know, uh, Chris is rubbing off of a book a little bit when it comes to professionalism on and off the court. So it's just leading to the games, different approach that is very contagious for the team. You know, here we are. Yeah, one of my favorite things about DeAndre Ayton, it might be my favorite thing, is they can go out there and eliminate the Lakers and be the first team to ever take out LeBron in the first round. And then in the post game, he sounds like a fan half the time when you're talking to him. He's like, did you guys see what Devin Booker did? Like, yeah. Did you see it? Because you were standing right next to him. <laughs> you were a reason he was able to do it, DA. Uh, one more, you referenced this, this quote earlier, Jesse. DeAndre Ayton talking about that 2018 class. I think it's the best class in NBA history. That's how I feel. It's a, it's, it's a lot of us, man. It's a lot of us. And, you know, it's still more to go. Still more of our guys to go in this class, you know, to, you know, reach their limit and their potential. But, you know, guys like Luka, uh, MPJ, and Trey, it, it's – it's it's been it's been great to watch us young guys go at it, man. We're not backing down, you know. It's the new generation of the league, so you know, you gotta you gotta play, you gotta play hard, you know. It's in front of us. Yeah, look. To be fair, if I were drafted into the NBA, I would definitely say my class was the greatest class of all time. But uh, to your point earlier, Jesse, the uh, the 1984 draft had Hakeem Olajuwon go one, Michael Jordan go three, Charles Barkley go five, uh, John Stockton went sixteen. I mean, he was never my favorite player, but he's a pretty good player. That's a pretty good class right there. But to Aiton's point, Trey Young's already in the second round. Luka may end up in the second round here. Dallas up by two with four minutes left in the third quarter. If they win tonight, they move on. Obviously, Aiton is in the second round. And we went through the the draft earlier. They're not the only good players, but they're the three closest to being great right now. Luka already is, and Trey Young's getting there, and Aiton's having a pretty good playoffs as well. So it is, it, it's it's a pretty quick turnaround. It's only been three years, and they're already having this impact on the league in general. All right, that's going to do it for us here tonight. Thanks to Jesse Morrison behind the glass. Thanks to you for listening. I'm Luke Lipinski. It's been The Rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.